1: To get started, visit plushcare.com weight loss. That's plushcare.com weight loss. On this week's episode, we're back down south on the trail
2: of little green men. We talk royalty, your vision, and will solves the mystery of the exploding underpants. This is Mysteries of the Unexplained. Hello everyone,
3: your i Loon. And show, hey,
2: mysteries of the unexplained Hello friends, this is Annie and Will, we're back at you, what's cracking William?
3: All good in the hood here, how are you Annie? Glorious weather, we're absolutely blessed with the weather I have a new microphone, that's why you're probably wondering why I sound amazing Annie's still on a cup and wire <laughs> A cup and wire, so um, apologies for that. And yes, you are right in thinking did Umzeti break my mic? She did. She actually um, inhabited the mic and broke it. Uh, there's power still going to it, but it's silence. It's like as if she robbed my voice. But then I came back with this new technology that Umzeti hasn't quite copped onto yet. Rest in peace.
2: Oh, God, I'm Sethi. If you could steal his voice every time my fucking phone rings, that would really help me out a lot. That episode was like pulling teeth from a fucking stone. It was so, it was like blood from a turnip. It was painful and it was repetitive.
3: That's because she haunted us and or attacked us.
2: Yes, we're still living with the consequences. Now, Will does have a brand new microphone, which is uh, a level up from mine. He's gone all bougie on me. I would remind him at the start that it will be more sensitive to his mouth breathing. And I am editing this week's podcast. So if you could try and open up your nasal passages, Will, and stop making that gurgling sound into the microphone that I constantly have to edit out, that would be super helpful. Oh,
3: shut the f*** up, Annie, will you? (laughs) And get on with your story. (laughs)
2: um we have a few new little patreons to say hello to and i'm just quickly going to say hello and thank you very much to zoe and Snicklebigs. you are our two flavors of the week so you are and thanks very much this one's especially for you guys and i have a great story for you this week and we've had lovely comments about the last few weeks of stories maybe maybe it's become apparent that we started putting a bit more effort in with him
3: Maybe, um, well listen, maybe we have, maybe we haven't, that's for you listeners to decide.
2: Uh, Listen, today I am going to hit on, uh, you know, the epitome of why we do this podcast and Hmm. it's like a basic bitch story, as, as basic bitch as UFOs go because it's entitled Little Green Men. We're going to go back to the beginnings of what interested us in the whole area of the paranormal and talk about little green men. Now, as universal a term as that is, are we aware of where those actual words came from? Where was the origin of the little green men story? William, do you have any idea where little green men actually came from in the first place?
3: Um, mm. I don't really know, to be honest. Which is and not something from like the nineteen sixties whole movie explosion of like they came from Mars and they came from Uranus.
2: Yes, you're you're on the right track, boy. You've got the combine harvester on. You're going up the field. The corn is ready, and you know you're on the right track. Um, I thought so too. I thought it was from those 1950s kind of movies and stuff. And today we're going to talk about a very famous case. I'm really surprised that we haven't talked about it before. It's called the Kelly Hopkinsville case. But before I dive into the Hopkin, Kelly Hopkinsville, sounds like a member of a like a girl band or something. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kelly Hopkinsville. I usually stay in the back and let my friend Lachantre do all the singing. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why are aliens so often depicted as little green men with bulbous heads and oversized eyes? Well, Little Green Men is a stereotypical portrayal of extraterrestrials as small human-like creatures with green skin and sometimes antennae on their heads. The term is also used to describe gremlins, mythical creatures known for causing problems in aeroplanes and mechanical devices. Sorry, are they known for causing problems in aeroplanes? Because I didn't, I didn't know, that know that this
3: was actually fact.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, like, you know, like, like, there's a gremlin in the machine kind of a thing.
3: Okay, okay.
2: I didn't think that they're actually in the fucking, fucking engine of the Boeing 747 as you're jetting off the Tenerife. Might make you think twice.
3: You wouldn't spend the money to go there anyway, so it wouldn't affect you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> to go to Stenry I absolutely wouldn't we are due a little sun holiday me and you but that's beside the point <laughs> today these creatures are more commonly associated with an alleged alien species called greys whose skin colour is in fact not green but grey although the story we will speak of today is often cited as the origin piece for the term little green men we can find references to green skinned visitors going back much further than this England references little green men or children in a story that goes back to the 12th century and the green children of Woolpit. Now, I think, my darling William, that you may have covered the green children of Woolpit in a previous episode. Do you remember this?
3: Yes, I do. That particular episode went on to win 14 Emmys. (laughs) And I did actually win the coveted prize of... um, outstanding host for a podcast series and i also won uh, best hair and makeup oh fact.
2: best hair and makeup you were after perfecting your brows yeah. at that stage but now brow fashion has totally changed since then so i think another emmy might be on the way for you
3: i did thank you and my um, my speech as well i know you didn't win anything on the night but <laughs> listen we all can't be winners Annie. and your time will come you might win something
2: well, you never know. Maybe I, I might win something with this episode. Now, I know that there's a mute button on your new mic, so please press it. During the reports of flying saucers in the 1950s, the term little green man came into popular usage in reference to aliens. Edgar Rice Burroughs referred to little green... Wait, there's a weird noise going on here. What is it? Those f- <laughs> f***ing crows are sitting out on the roof, actually looking in at me like, yeah! They're back. there after following me. Okay, just ignore them, pretend that they're, they're not there. Um, Edgar Rice Burroughs referred to green men of Mars and green Martian women in his first 1912 science fiction novel, *A Princess of Mars*. Though at 10 to 12 feet tall, they were hardly little. They were about your height, William. However, the first use of the specific phrase "little green men" in reference to ETs dates back to 1908 in the *Daily Kennebec Journal* from Augusta, Maine. In this case, the aliens being Martians. In 1910, a little green man was allegedly captured from his crashed spaceship in Apulia, in southeast Italy. And I've got this really cool little cover of uh, a magazine... It's like a collection of novels right. that came out in 1951. You can see it here and I'm going to post it up on the Facebook group and on the Patreon of a beautiful woman lying down with her hair and makeup absolutely perfect with all these tiny little green men crawling all over her.
3: <laughs> like an orgy?
2: Um, it's kind of like an orgy. Like it's, some of them are definitely, there's a lot of them in the breasticle area. There's a lot of them mm. on her boobs, but these are tiny in the fact that, like, these are tiny, tiny. These are like a few inches high. They're not, I don't think they're what we're going to look at in the case we look at today. It's just to say that the term little green men, even though attributed to this case a lot of the time, a lot of people think that this is where little green men come out of. It was actually like in the ether a long time before this. And it's interesting to think that as we read the story, the people in this story might have come across depictions of little green men in media or film before they had this encounter this night you know so it's not the like origin story so I'm going to take you back Will Hopkinsville Kentucky Will I did send you a few lines now before the start of the show and I know you're only allowed to open them now because I like to keep the aura of suspense open I think it's very exciting that this week we're actually in Kentucky, so we can use the Southern voice that you always use, because apparently you only have uh, American South and uh, Russia. They're the only two. So today we'll take the American South, if that's okay with you. Around 11pm one night in August 1955, eight people showed up at the Hopkinsville, Kentucky police station in a state of absolute panic.
3: We need help. We've been fighting them for nearly four hours.
2: (laughs) The members of the large extended family called the Suttons arrived breathlessly at the station with this story of a terrifying siege by otherworldly beings and it would become one of the most detailed and baffling accounts of an alien encounter on record, notable for the large number of witnesses, almost a dozen, the duration of the encounter, several hours, and the close proximity between the witnesses and the creatures, sometimes just a few feet away. The incident quickly became regional and even national news. The alleged encounter occurred on the Sutton's farm in the tiny rural hamlet of Kelly, Kentucky, where the family lived in an unpainted three-room house without running water, telephone, radio, TV or books. Of all the details of their story, the UFO landing and the appearance of small alien creatures, one fact is indisputable. When the eight adults and three children arrived at the nearby Hopkinsville police station at about 11pm, they were genuinely
3: terror-struck. These aren't the type of people who normally run to the police for help. What they do is reach for the guns. (laughs) The guns?
2: (laughs) The guns. (laughs) Police Chief Russell Greenwell later told investigators, Yet here they were. Women and children hysterical and one man with a pulse of 140 beats per minute Measured by an investigator (laughs) (laughs) Your your pulse is 140 beats per minute even though we don't have watches here in Kentucky
3: (laughs) And you live in a tent by the sounds of things (laughs) (laughs)
2: Their their house sounds like uh, The house that I grew up in A a literal tent According to accounts given to the police At about 7pm on the hot Sunday evening Sutton family friend Billy Ray Taylor Was fetching water from the backyard well When he saw a silvery object
3: real bright with an exhaust of all colors of the rainbow it came silently toward the house passed over stopped in midair and then dropped straight to the ground taylor
2: 21 and his 18 year old wife had come from pennsylvania to visit lucky sutton with whom he had worked on a traveling carnival the sutton's 50 year old widow and matriarch glennie lankford Her two older sons and their wives, a brother-in-law and the widow's three younger children, 12, 10 and 7, didn't take Billy Ray seriously, laughing off his UFO account. An hour later, alerted by the dog's incessant barking, Lucky and Billy Ray went to the back door and made out a strange glow, in the midst of which they spied a small humanoid creature, about three and a half feet tall, it had an um... oversized head
3: almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground. Its hands had talons and its oversized eyes glowed with a yellowish light. The body gave off an eerie shimmer in the light of the night's new moon, as if it made of silver metal. <laughs> Terrified, the
2: two men grabbed a 20-gauge shotgun and a twenty two rifle and fired at the little man, its hands now raised, as if held at gunpoint, as it came towards the door. They reported that it then did a flip, scrambled upright, and fled into the darkness. Wow. <laughs> I'm just imagining this little, like, gymnastic creature with its hands up. Hey! And then it, like, flips over backwards and then runs <laughs> <you>? away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, how, how cute! Shortly afterwards, the men saw a similar creature appear in a side window and fired through the window screen. Still impervious to bullets, the little man again flipped and disappeared.
3: I went out into the hallway and crouched down next to Billy when I saw one approaching the door.
2: Mrs Langford told Isabel Davis, author of an extensive report called Close Encounter at Kelly and others of 1955.
3: It looked like a 5-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was a shimmering, bright metal like a like on my refrigerator. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Mrs. Langford, I thought you didn't have a run of electricity out there. Plus, I just have a, like gas visions of this little like petrol can with the head and little legs going bing, bing. And like popping up the window, <laughs> popping up at the window, like a little whack-a-mole thing. And then you're like, there it is. And then you like have to shoot it. Like it's just, oh, fun. Like it would be great. Crack.
3: You would be crying. You I would be, be laughing. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, holy Jesus. Oh, holy Jesus. You'd be up to, you'd be up in the attic rocking in the corner. would be like, Annie, can you come down? What you saw was a bucket. Can you come down, please?
2: It was a bucket. It was literally just a bucket that got blown over in the wind. The drama escalated when Taylor stepped outside under the small overhanging roof, and those behind him saw a claw like hand reach down and touch his hair. The group screamed and pulled Taylor back in while Lucky shot above the overhang and then at another similar creature in a nearby tree. It floated to the ground and then scurried into the woods. The Suttons moved inside and spent several hours listening for movements hearing mostly occasional scratches on the roof. At 11pm, the whole group ran for the cars and hightailed it to Hopkinsville Police Station at top speed. After the police chief called for backup, his team was joined at the Sutton farm by state police, military police from nearby Fort Campbell, and a photographer. There, investigators found shell casings from gunshots, but no other evidence. Neither could they find proof of heavy drinking. According to the Sutton matriarch, Liquor was not allowed in the farmhouse. Once the police and others left though, the creatures returned between 2.30am and daybreak. Mrs. Langford said she saw one glowing repeatedly by her bedside window, its claw-like hand on the screen.
0: Ooh! Whoa. Now
2: I'm going to uh, get you to scroll down to the bottom of this document to a, a little uh, photo fish of this creature, um, which was published in the paper. <laughs> I just want you—I <laughs> just want <laughs> oh you to des- describe what you see on this piece of paper. Well, could you paint a picture for the people at home of what this creature looks like, and we will then vicariously send it to you through the magic of the interweb.
3: Well, it looks like you when you took MDMA that time. It's
2: exactly how I felt when I took the MDMA as well. (laughs)
3: Just kidding Don't do drugs kids. It has massive ears That are kind of triangular and shaped Its eyes are googly as hell So one is facing west The other is facing east It has two little antennae Which I believe probably pick up 5G And its nose looks like a penis Kind of
2: Oh we'll always fit the willy Always with the willy It's kind
3: of Expression on his face Is a bit downtrodden Like he's kind of Sick of your fucking shit Mm. Now From the shoulders To the waist He looks quite kind of Hench doesn't he He looks like he kind of Bait you And then that tapers off into little sticks trade
2: from the shoulders tapers t- off into little sticks
3: and then the hands are again kind of disproportionate to the stick like arms they they look like they'd scratch the shit out of you now in fairness oh, yeah. and interestingly yeah. enough his two legs just end in little stumps
2: <laughs> yeah and it says down at the bottom of it feet circular like suction cups which Very is kind bizarre. of gas because you could probably imagine them like running up the side of houses and stuff
3: very, very strange.
2: I really like this little this little note that they have here. Um, mouth, upper lip, tucked under lower lip. <laughs> so he's got this kind of like underbite, like a little pug going on.
3: Oh, okay. Maybe it was just a pug that was on steroids. <laughs> very like a pug. Yes, like a pug.
2: It's like really gas. And then underneath this, we also have another little creature that was from... This was actually from another sighting in the States at around the same time. I think it was a few years later. I'll put the two of them up on the group and up on Patreon for you to see. Really funny, like a slightly different head. But you could imagine if two people were giving their description to an artist that this is kind of like the same thing, only drawn mm. differently, a little bit differently. Like the, the weird ears out either side, the very, very widely spaced eyes, as in like one looking at you, one looking for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like the side, uh, the side
3: lead? profile view, and the eye is just looking directly at you instead of looking forward. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how cockeyed we're talking, guys.
2: <laughs> Absolutely cockeyed, and once again, it has the claw-like uh, hands on the bottom of a really, really, really long arm. It kind of, like body-wise, looks like you a little bit.
3: Oh, do you know what? I was going to say that, except the head is the spit of you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if God, if God made a creature that was halfway between the two of us, that's what we'd look like with my cock eye and your dangly arm. And we
3: only went to Kentucky once that time, and we only did once, have a few drinks. Yes, it's interesting that it's on know. the same night. I
2: know. Mean, I know that you get a little bit frisky when you've had a few drinks. You see. Oh
3: God, give it up! Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: In the following days, after radio stations and newspapers, including the New York Times, reported the incident, hundreds of curiosity seekers descended on the farm, often ridiculing the Suttons as ignorant or fraudulent. When no trespassing signs proved useless at discouraging them, the family tried charging admission. 50 cents for entering the grounds, $1 for information, $10 for taking pictures. After that, the sceptics blasted them as fortune-seeking fabulists. As the Kelly story spread in the world, it took on a life of its own. The number of little men grew to a dozen or more. A few years later, the little metallic men were conflated with an eastern Kentucky woman's report of a flying saucer and a six-foot-tall man in green, helping launch the myth of the green men. As you can see from the descriptions, the Kellys didn't actually say that these men were green. So it kind of got like tied in with another story where a tall green man had been described. So that's where the little green men thing gained a little bit of um, notoriety. The day after the incident, police investigators returned to the farmhouse searching for evidence of a saucer landing, footprints, blood trails or scratch marks on the roof. Bud Letwith, a local radio station employee, interviewed the adult eyewitnesses and made drawings based on their accounts. According to Davis, he was impressed by their remarkable specificity and consistency, even though the men were away from the farmhouse all day, unable to coordinate with the others. Now, well, this is a letter... A certified true copy. It was from Glenny Langford's so that she was like the. This was typed out at the police station when she gave her testimony for what she had seen. This is what they typed up. And I'm going to ask you she's a matriarchal family, a very strong wo- woman. She's had a million kids and a million grandkids. And she fought these aliens for four hours. So I wouldn't be fucking around with her there now. And if you could just tell them. There's a few things for safety reasons have been blacked out by the CIA. So, Will, you're just going to have to fill that with your own imagination.
3: My name is Glennie Langford, age 50, and I live at Hopkinsville, Route 6, Kentucky. On Sunday night, August 21st, 55, at around 10:30 p.m., I was walking through the hallway, which is located in the middle of my house, uh, which is quite nice. And I looked at the back door, south, and saw a bright silver object about two and a half feet tall appearing around. I became excited. We don't get to see much around here. And I did not look (laughs) at it long enough to see if it had eyes or move. I was about 15 or 20 feet from it. I fell backwards and then was carried into the bedroom. My two sons, Elijah, age 25, and his wife, Emily, 29... George age 21 And his wife Emily May 27 we like Emily's and their friends, Emily, one and two, aged 21, and his wife, Emily, 18, were all in the house and saw this little man that looked like a monkey. At around 3.30 <laughs> a.m., I was in my bedroom and I looked out the north window and I saw a small silver object about two and a half feet tall. And I said, oh, shit, here we go again. That had its <laughs> hands on the screen looking in. I called for my son's and Emily, one, two, and three, four, and five, and they shot at it, and it left. I was about 60 feet from it. This time, I did not see any more. I have read the above statement, and it is true to the best of my knowledge. Witness is S. John E. Albert, certified true copy by Charles N. Kirk, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Air Force, Adjutant. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Clanny. Thank you for your cooperation. While the incident eventually attracted the attention of the Air Force UFO Investigation Programme Project Blue Book, which you can actually read more about on the interwebs, documents suggest that its team never officially pursued the matter beyond checking in with their Ford Campbell counterparts, who had been briefly at the scene that night. One of the most thorough investigations of the Kelly incident was Undertaken in 1956 by ufo UFOolo- UFOologist Isabel Davis and published several decades later by the Centre for UFO Studies, a group founded by astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Project Blue Book's civilian investigator. Her nearly 200 page report, co written with Ted Bloucher, includes detailed maps, drawings, documentary records, summaries of similar accounts around the world, and interviews with several of Sutton family members and police investigators. Davis summarised the latter's concern about the lack of physical evidence, but to her reckoning, none of the possible explanations, a deliberate hoax, publicity play, group hallucinations, made any sense. While questions arose about whether the young men were exaggerating, possibly fuelled by hidden stores of liquor, Davis's strong impression after meeting Mrs Langford was one of a sombre, no-nonsense matriarch who abhorred the limelight and had no reason to lie. None of the witnesses, Davis noted, had any history of making preposterous allegations. Several witnesses had said that the beings floated through the trees and the sound of bullets striking them resembled the sound of bullets striking a metal bucket. Clark describes an odd luminous patch along a fence where one of the beings had been shot and, in the woods beyond, a green light whose source could not be determined. However, this description was consistent with foxfire, a bioluminescent fungus on decaying wood. So this Isabel Davis's report and some of the other um, witness testimony of like its hit in metal were important when people tried to write it off as getting aliens confused with owls which we will go on to speak about hmm. in 2006 Joe Nickel Senior Research Fellow of the International Committee for Skeptical Inquiry and the self-styled paranormal investigator reviewed the evidence in an article entitled Siege of the Little Green Men in it, he raised suspicion about what he called Billy Ray Taylor's embroidered testimony. He matched Taylor's UFO sighting with similar reports from that day, which suggested a small meteor in the vicinity. As for the little men, Nickel floated an explanation used for other alien encounters. Owls. In particular, the great horned owl, a.k.a. the hoot owl, has long wings that could be mistaken for arms, along with talons, yellow eyes, long ears and a round head that might also match the little men description. As for their metallic shine, Nichols suggests they could have easily been reflecting moonlight. But while hoot owls are known to be active at dusk and extremely aggressive when defending their nest, some investigators question characterisations of the creatures as hostile. If the owl theory has some truth in it, their behaviour that night in Kelly appear to simply be very out of the ordinary and curious, and nothing at all to do with little green men. Hoot hoot! I have some other descriptions of the little green men that appeared at Kelly Hopkinsville and some other places around the States. And how uh, the original descriptions of them might have morphed along the way into something like a little bit more fantastical. Um, But from what I'm seeing of those drawings of little green men, I don't think they look anything like fucking owls now.
3: No, like, no. And as well as that, like... They said there was. They were being attacked for four hours. Like an owl wouldn't <laughs> yeah. re- relentlessly keep attacking you for four hours. And if it did, <laughs> it was fucking gone, demented. Let's put fucking. Let's call a spade a spade. As well as that, like f- they'd fly off. It'd just be like see ya. Like it wouldn't just be. It wouldn't just be like. <laughs> like you'd know. Yeah. And as there, if you were looking at something for four hours, you'd you'd be like, oh, it's a fucking owl. Like if something happened for two minutes, you'd just be like, oh, "Okay, I, that was weird. I don't know what the fuck it was." But if it's four hours, you'd be able to, you'd be able to tell if it was something that you knew. Like you'd be able, to, like, come on. Although, although in fairness, in fairness, this week on Weird Wednesday, we did have a man that thought that a UFO, that a tornado was a UFO. So. Well, no, you know, it wasn't it absolutely
2: happen. verified. Now that that incident that happened to that man was, it was just like a theory. But um, I, I would like to say whether these people were on fucking like moonshine or drugs or whatever fucking crack cocaine equivalent was in 1955. I can categorically state that it wasn't fucking owls, like. That's such a like. These people are country people. They know what owls are like. Plus, an owl doesn't stay outside your bedroom with its little claw foot hanging onto the screen door, staring at you with a green glow coming off it, with like eyes on either side of its head, and then pop back up over the window. And then when you and 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 do a backflip, like a fucking Jackie Chan owl, do a backflip and then run run off into the woods.
3: It would if the owl was me reincarnated and the person <laughs> was Annie. <laughs> Because I would be driven <laughs> mental. I'd be like, revenge, revenge, revenge. <laughs> this poor
2: house was having a game of like whack-a-mole like it's like a it's like a computer game where the little mm. things are like popping up at your window the whole time and you're like get it and then you fire a bullet at it plus do you not think there'd be a few feathers around the place if they were after consistently shooting at these owls for four hours not a feather was found no blood and they were a really bad shot like they found they they, they said that, that whatever they were shooting at like it just pinged off them and flew away
3: that's because they're robot owls <laughs>
2: oh they're robot owls. Um, one thing I did th- think A few of them were like carnies um, So I wondered Did they have like Would there be something in the fact that they Through working at the carnivals and stuff like that They knew that people loved a story And uh, like a strange creature uh, And were they trying to drum up some kind of I don't know like Work for themselves as the person That had encountered the little green men mm-hmm. like, Yeah you know.
3: A bit of a- publicity stunt um could be a possibility yeah but you'd also like i mean like you kind of might get away with that nowadays back then like you you could that could go like south very quick and people could just be like you're fucking mental yeah and just put you down to be an alcoholic like they kind of tried to stitch onto that story and say that they were yeah so it that's a high risk for someone's business whose income isn't stable and it could be a very Absolutely. And the
2: thing is as well, um, I read in another article that said that they basically packed up and left the next day. That they were like, no, we're not staying in this house. Like, you know, so, I mean, they obviously had no money. They were living very, very much hand to mouth. Like, so for them to get up mm. and leave their home, like they seemed like pretty resilient people and like that you wouldn't fuck with them and that they wouldn't leave over something small. Mm. Like they packed up and left. And... Um,
3: Usually when you have a family that size as well, if you're all in on a plan, like, you, well, first, sorry, what I mean is that you don't, you wouldn't really get everybody in on the plan. So you'd either get people that will remain silent about the incident and say that they were like, I don't want any yeah. part of this. The part, that, the fact that all of them were a part of it and then even that matriarch... Um, sorry, Glenny. That it, for her to even like to confirm it as well. What I'm trying to say is that if Glenny, whose character seems like she's the type of one that's not into all this shite, like she probably wouldn't enter enter the entertain the idea of a hoax. That she would just remain silent on the issue and the fact that she didn't, and she ended up writing the letter is probably strong evidence as well, maybe. Yeah,
2: I think so, too. I mean, they knew that they'd be totally ostracized because, like, people would be like, what, you said that you encountered little green men? Because even though, like I was saying at the start of it, like, the idea of little green men was kind of out there in the ether and they ha- there had been, like you know some reports of like flying saucers and stuff Mm -hmm. it was still completely new like the UFO thing like it completely new like we're we're nearly a century down the road from that kind of stuff and people still think you're crazy to talk about but you would have been absolutely like you're mental if you were talking about anything like that like I, I feel like their whole livelihood was kind of taken off them if they had to move from the place where they'd always been it just seemed a really extreme move if they were trying to drum up any type of kind of fame from it or something it seems kind of mad and i don't i really don't buy into the whole like they were pissed and drinking moonshine or whatever because the cops would know if you were drunk or not like there was nothing in any of their in in any of the cops reports to say that they thought they were intoxicated like you'd know if a load of pissed people turned up yeah your, you would door, yeah you'd, you'd know straight away and them.
3: you'd just be like fuck off so yeah true Very so
2: i I would be thinking a hundred percent it was little green men.
3: I would like to say say on record that I think that this was one hundred percent robot owls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, will whatever about robot owls and whatever about little green men, I have to tell you this: people are so interested in you and your life, will. People want to know what you ate for breakfast and what color your <laughs> underpants is. So let us quickly move on to. Hey there, that's me. <laughs> Ready to pop the
0: question?
2: Here we are back again for another round of Ask Willy Anything. I can't believe that people care this much about what Will does with his life, but here we go, we're gonna jump right into person. it, Will. If you could try and be as truthful as possible, that would be helpful. Hit me. Cap Barnett asks, Teams Wills and Kate or Team Megan and Harry? Boom.
3: Team nobody, thank you. <laughs> um, I don't understand why. A royal family is still needed in today's world, but hey ho, SpaghettiO. If I had to choose, I would choose nobody. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Philip Norris says as well as an eye on me for my last question uh, to the wonderful and very talented Annie thanks for hey girl I would like to ask him how he feels about being the backup dancer to Annie's stardom
3: <laughs> Philip thank you for your question I am Similarly to the creatures depicted in today's story Have an eye west and east on you Bucko Um, (laughs) But to answer your question Because I will not shy away from it I would like to remind you all That Mariah Carey was once a backup singer and dancer To Brenda Starr Um, Oh who, Brenda who Exactly, Mariah went on to be a bigger star (laughs) Just keep that in mind Next question
2: Janique, hey girl, will are you a fan of Eurovision? And if so, what was your favourite song this year?
3: Oh hi, Janique. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all love a bit of Eurovision now. It wouldn't be crazy, crazy Eurovision, but I did enjoy watching it because it's fucking gas. Oh yeah,
2: we were text. We were texting each other the whole way through, weren't we? We were like, no, yes, no, bet
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, My favourite one this year God, I'm not going to be able to remember the names of the artists or whatever But like, no, I do like the guys that won actually I think they're actually quite good And they're mm-hmm. they're quite different um, Initially wouldn't have been my favourite But now I actually really, really like them And I'm always afraid to pronounce their name with The band, is it Manis- Manis- Maniskin? Maniskin
2: Maniskin I think And they have a new song in English out And uh, it's brilliant And I'd just like to say um, To butt in here and say It's been a great L year for Italy With the Euros and the Eurovision That's
3: a worthwhile note To barge in on my section But go on (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay next question Cara oh thanks She's one of our new followers Pineapple on pizza yes or no?
3: Oh definitely yes I don't understand why people Don't like pineapple on pizza I'm sorry I do love it it's not for you to answer the question, Annie. Go on. Next one.
2: Uh Denise says if you owned a theme bar, what would the theme be? Can't be charmed related. Thank you so much for that caveat because we know that that what way that would have went. <laughs> so if you had a bar, what would the theme be?
3: Oh, very good. Uh well that's kinda of tough one and now it's prepared. Um <laughs> yeah,
2: because Bridget here wrote And um, the thing she was like Will won't be able to answer.
3: <laughs> Jesus, she knows me <laughs> fucking too well. Well now I'm gonna have to try um if it was a teamed bar oh god i want to say a paranormal bar but then that would be kind of a bit frightful because everybody just be coming along you wouldn't really know who you go home with if you were trying to pick them up you'd be like oh what are you dressed up as (laughs) might be good can you can we extend halloween to all year round and it would be kind of like lucky dip the person you bring home you'd be like oh please 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 be good looking underneath your masks and get your makeup and then it'd be like oh fuck i lost her hey hey it's a winner (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think that might be a bit fair Yeah, might work Be very yeah. personality based
3: I got it, I got it there in the end, just
2: um, And it was Birgit who asked as well If your dog could talk, what would he or she say about you? And she says this is for both of us But I'm not dog in my
3: section God um, What would Ted say about me? He would just look at me and say I prefer Nanny <laughs> Meaning my mother Because we call him the baby that's what he would do Because that's what he says with his eyes When I pass by He just looks at me Or else he might say like You're a piece of shit Because that's what he looks like Looks at me whenever. He does
2: look at you like that I think you have that dog wrecked Have you ever had a scary Spooky experience Not Annie Gan related Trish asked that Hi Trish
3: Hi Trish Thanks for your question Um scary experience i did do uh, like an overnight investigation in wicklow jail which is an old irish jail in wicklow and it was like a paranormal event many many moons ago actually and uh they basically prayed us around a jail that was dark in groups And we had to sit in like jail cells in the dark And try contact spirits And I did actually take a picture I must try find the picture of a room And there was a shadow of a ghost on the wall So I'll try find it From what I described to be a ghost Because it looks like a humanoid figure Um... Was it scary at the time? Yeah. But then also we went into another jail cell and there was uh, a lady in there who had an upset stomach and her stomach kept on gurgling in the silence and she kept on saying it was a ghost. But it was definitely her stomach. Kind of like Annie with her tum tum.
2: A woman basically had the shits and she was trying to blame it on a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I must remember that for the future. Sarah Anderson asks, how many times do you... Oh, somebody else is asking a question it just popped up there. Hello, Sarah Anderson says, "How ah ma- oh, great question. How many times do you wear your jeans before washing them? No pressure, but there is a correct answer."
3: Oh, thank you for your question. Uh, twice, I would wear them twice, then wash. That's my thing.
2: Uh, we're going to have to get back on to Sarah now when she hears this and ask her, is that the correct answer? Liz says, There are two types of people in this world those who have shit their pants and those who lie and say they haven't. <laughs> Which one are you?
3: <laughs> Um I did. Sorry, I can put my hands up and mm. say that I have shit my pants, and I did shit my pants whenever I was a kid. <laughs> we went for a photo, a family photo, in Paddy Brown's, which is a photographer here in Well near our house, who photographed everybody and their mother when we were that age. And I went in, and uh, they did a family photo, and I shit my pants with the picture. I'm there to read you. But in fairness, <laughs> I was only small. So.
2: <laughs> Did you shit your pants like in the seat? Where, where, like in the seat when your family d- was in the I have no the recollection
3: of this, except it's just brought up the whole time in my family, so yeah. Why, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <don't really> know.
2: <laughs> and have you ever shit your pants as an adult?
3: No, I've luckily never done it as an adult. No. I'm I'm beginning to think that you have many times though by your kind of incessant questioning. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not my best. Oh <laughs> Sean Ellis asks, Dearest William, which Sanderson sister most represents you? Sarah, Winifred or Mary? Oh I love it. <laughs>
3: probably Sarah I think (laughs) would it be Annie I think it would be Sarah
2: yeah yeah because you think that you're such a fucking like princess
3: and Annie just keeps calling me a tick bitch as well so yeah but like
2: you you'd want to be the harsh one like you'd be like oh I'm not going to be the fast one or the ginger one I could be the harsh one
3: you'd be fucking Winifred's (laughs) fucking baby fucking (laughs) Jalak Nail that's what you would be Annie (laughs) bitch
2: Peng Jin says Would Will ever consider A crew cut
3: A crew cut I've had them in the past um, I've had them in the past My hair has been All different lengths Over the years Hasn't it really It has now been now it's more shorter
2: when, when I first met you You definitely had it Like really really close Like almost like shaved Like it I just want to say now It doesn't really suit you
3: Well, your hair doesn't suit you, but you've still had it the same for the past fucking 100 years. (laughs) So, I don't know, maybe that's how you drowned and your ghostly body fucking washed on shore because you're pale as fuck too. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, I love you. Um, Yeah, no, sometimes I like it short. Like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I look quite naturally scruffy. Like, even when I'm a bit, like... Even when my hair's gone everything, they still look a little bit scruffy, I think. So I think it's better to keep it short. Sorry, yeah, absolutely, I would consider it.
2: Absolutely, scruffy. And I always remember you saying to me once, um, you were like, oh, I, you know, like if I was a girl, I would totally like have full face makeup and blow dried hair the whole time. And I was like, bitch, you fucking, no fucking way, would you? No fucking <laughs> I way, you would actually be roll out of bed fuck it up in a ball and I'll be out the door
3: stop lying it doesn't suit you, <laughs> you stop lying Annie you'll have to answer to <laughs> God you'll have to answer to him and he'll be like uh, oh Annie you've died uh, looking back on your life now we're just going to go back and I'm sorry why did you lie about the time when Will said that when if he was a girl that he'd have a full face of makeup in there why would you lie about something like that Annie and you'd be there twiddling your thumbs and he'd be like condemn her to hell and I'll be like, oh, thanks. And I'll be behind his robe going, thanks, God. <laughs> you are such
2: a little <laughs> gaslighting bitch. Right, uh oh. What's that?
3: Sorry. I turn Roachan off that here. news, I hate it. Roshi's just handed me a piece
2: of paper here. Thank you, Roshi. Yes, you
0: can what's go this? back to your sandwich now. Go back what's on,
2: what's <hums> on the paper? Nude sunbathers rescued from Australian woods after fleeing deer. <laughs> 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 Police in the Australian state of New South Wales
3: <laughs> No we've had this problem with Australian accents with you in the past Can you please just say it in a normal accent
2: <laughs> I thought I, I, I did the intro pretty good though No the headline no no Police in the Australian state of New South Wales Say they have levied fines against two new beachgoers Who had to be rescued after being spooked by a deer And running into the forest the two men were breaking coronavirus lockdowns by sunbathing naked on a remote beach south of Sydney, New South Wales. Police Commissioner Mick Fuller told reporters on Monday but worsened their offence when, after being startled by a deer, they fled into the Royal National Park and got lost. The men, aged 30 and oh Daddy, were fined $760 for breaking the COVID-19 rules after authorities came to their rescue on Sunday evening. Residents of Sydney and many other parts of the state were placed under stay-at-home orders earlier in the day as Australia scrambled to counter the fast-spreading Delta variant of the virus. Even though the men were fined, Fuller said their actions cost the community more because of the resources needed to track them down. It's difficult to legislate against idiots! <laughs> 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 the commissioner said, Clearly putting people at risk by leaving home without a proper reason and then getting lost in a national park... Diverting important resources Away from the health operation They should be embarrassed (laughs) That has been Annie (laughs) Oh my god
3: (laughs) This is Getting Bad
2: Well I just thought it was kind of pertinent Because I think obviously They were doing a little bit more Than naked sunbathing And then they got caught in the middle of a ride And then ran into the woods and got lost Lost. That's something like you do now. there would be two rows of trees and will it be like, oh, I'm going to have to eat his
0: leg. Oh,
3: my God. Sometimes I just wonder about you. I really do. Like, and that's been a serious, a genuine concern. A health and safety concern for the public. (laughs) It's it's just, it's borderline dangerous now. The (laughs) mental... The mental inner workings of your mind Like I just think that the, the cogs have like Worn away They're now slipping on each other They're kind of like It's rusted The noise it makes is this Constantly And uh, like as well as that Like I think it's a, it, There's constant error messages It's like if you were a desktop computer It would just be full of pop-up messages Saying please, <laughs> please <laughs> die. Please, please, please Infected, infected It'd just be like uh, in Massive internal damage Please contact uh, Manufacturer uh, Warranty void Like there'd be a massive
2: Thank Thank you for all that abuse Will, I really appreciate it and I will be back this time next week for more, you know, life, living, love. Um, before we go I would just like to say that we have a special request from one of our lovely little Patreons, um, his name is Chris and Will's going to tell you a little bit more about it there now, go on there now Will.
3: Hi Chris, so Chris got in touch with us because he has started a non-profit organisation and I shall read out the message he sent to us. He said, hi, guys. First, I'm super excited that there will be an extra episode each week. Yay. I hate to ask, but I'm wondering if you could help me with a little plug for my non-profit organization. To summarize, I lost my chocolate Labrador Gwent cancer in September of 2020 at 15 years old. She had been with me since she was six weeks old and it was a devastating blow. I've been in animal welfare organisations for over 20 years but it wasn't until her death that I realised the gaping hole in healthcare needs for our pets. Basically, had I not been able to pay the $900 for testing, which would reveal her cancer, she would have died painful and quite frankly, a messy death. There would have been no time to say goodbye. So I launched a non-profit organisation called the Gwen Fund, which focuses on providing financial assistance for critical veterinary care, palliative care, end-of-life care and aftercare. We are also compiling a list of grief counselling resources. I thought that you may be open to making a mention and guiding folks to our website and our social media pages. If you guys would like to support Chris, you can go to the website, which is www.thegwenfund.org or you can look for him on Facebook, which is um, facebook.com forward slash thegwenfund or in Insta, it is at thegwenfund, so you can make a donation if you so wish to choose I'll put all the links in the episode notes for you guys
2: that's great thanks so much Chris for getting in touch and I think thanks, um, we're both dog owners and lovers and I know that a load of our Facebook fans and our Patreons are as well because they're always posting little pictures of their doggos and it's just really hard to think that you wouldn't be able to have the money to help them when they're sick yeah. like it's actually chronic and I know especially yeah
3: because the fees can be so high like, so
2: high and I know in the states especially like it's just so ridiculously high like if you're if your dog will get sick so um we yeah like we said we'd love to help we will put all that stuff on the facebook and instagram the links will be there and in the show notes for this episode and thanks so much chris and we wish you all the best with it it's a great thing that you're doing um if you would like more from us guys we are back on wednesday with the patreon episode which is mo too weird wednesdays um we are getting such a laugh out of doing the grinds my gear section like we've got a lot of (laughs) angry people out there so it's good
3: to get these feelings out it's though.
2: good to talk guys it's good to talk so if you've got something that really grinds your gears you can send us a little message about it there on the Patreon thing um, and we will try your best to get through them and read them on the show I'm turning into fucking agony and so I am I am just directing people on how to live their lives and as always, <laughs> if you want to find us on Instagram, we're at Mysteries Pod. Me and Will went on the Chicker Chocker. Yes, we did. Have we ever felt so old and irrelevant? No, we haven't. But you can find us on TikTok at Motu Podcast.
3: Yes, come and look at us and laugh at us if you wish, and give us a follow. You can also join our super secret Facebook group, which is Mysteries of the Unexplained, where you can answer a little question of. What was the book that terrorised Will and Annie as kids and it was called Mysteries of the Unexplained and if you don't know what we're talking about you'd find out on our Patreon if you listen to seasons 1 to 3 of What the Fuck is in This Book which is a lot a lost podcast to time.
2: Yes we need to explain, we need to constantly explain our first incident to people because they're like, uh, they get confused because we did have a podcast called What the Fuck is in This Book which is basically this podcast but we have to change the name for legal reasons. Um so that is there's so many episodes of um on the thing there so if you do join up to Patreon soon you can binge you can binge till your life is fucking over on it um, well um, I think that that's all I've got to say you know what I'm not able for this heat I'm going to have to go crack a window open here and I'm going to have to edit your bitching out of all of this podcast so I shall leave thee, <laughs> lovely we'll be back with Motu Weird Wednesdays and Wednesdays and Will will be back with another episode of the main show next week until then stay safe we love you join us next week for more mysteries mystery.
3: of and the unexplained. please